This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com here as uh, we roll into the first hour of the program uh, we are supposed to have a special guest on the line, Mark. That's correct. Uh, I don't know if we have him. Does is is the is the network aware of this? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I guess we're waiting to hear from a gentleman from antiwar.com, uh, Scott Horton. Yes. And I've heard a lot about Scott, uh, sort of through the liberty-oriented rumor mill out there. I, I've never actually had the chance to talk to him uh, personally. I don't think. Uh, but Mark, you apparently set this one up, right? That's right. Um, you were going to be away, so I th- thought I'd take. I mean, I, we wanted to do. The, I wanted to do the interview, so I thought I'd take the uh, the lead on it. But uh, I'm sure he'll be calling in uh, shortly. Anyway, let's go on to something. Sure, sure. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the number. Uh, last night, obviously, we talked a lot uh, about the situation involving the couch up here in the the lawn of my tenants. And, uh, the, you know, there's still a little more to tell on that particular story. In, in fact, specifically, not exactly that story, but the issue of things that go on in people's yards. Uh, you had a story, Mark, uh, out of Nebraska, uh, wherein, I mean, the tyranny continues. I I thought it was funny that, uh, in fact, this news story came up uh, somewhere around the time. I, I guess it's a little old um, comparatively, but, uh, you know, a couple of months old. But... They made it illegal in Nebraska, um, putting a worn what, out... Wait, uh, what's illegal? Having a couch. Really? Yeah. Putting a worn-out couch outside on a porch or patio is usually considered an eyesore. In Lincoln, it's now a crime. The Lincoln City Council <laughs> approved an amendment to the Lincoln Housing Code on Monday with a 5-2 to two vote. The amendment prohibits residents from placing indoor furniture outside. The city councilman, uh, woman, uh, Robin whatever who proposed the ordinance, said upholstered couches on porches can drive away, drive down property value of surrounding homes and be a safety hazard. Oh, wow. So so this is uh, porch couches that they're restricting. So not just out in the yard couches, but porch couches. Whereas uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire, where they had a problem with the the out-in-the-yard couch, they apparently don't have a problem with a couch being on the porch. So not as tyrannical here, but still some tyranny. Well, um, it, it's it's funny how they want to save us from uh, from ourselves here. It says um, surrounding homes can be uh, excuse me uh, the it can drive down the property values of surrounding homes and can be a safety hazard. Listen to this: it's a safety hazard. Really, it's a hotbed for mold after rain and also shelter rodents and creepy crawlers. I wouldn't doubt that it's at true. all. It's true. But uh, we we took away the couch today, the freedom couch. The freedom couch is. Uh, Moved. It has been moved uh, to a secret location, which you know what that location is, but I can't reveal. Uh, Correct. Some maniac has decided to pay for it. <laughs> well, God bless the maniacs. If it wasn't for maniacs, we wouldn't have listeners. Yeah, well, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's great. I don't know why anyone would want to pay for this awful thing. But well, it's, it's a piece of memorabilia now, isn't it? Because it was involved right. in this case. I'm not sure why you'd want this particular piece of memorabilia, because it's exactly like the, they suggested. I mean, there are worms underneath <laughs> one of, <laughs> one of the, uh, the cushions. So, I mean, the thing is, by the way, it was like the heaviest couch I'd ever lifted. That's because it's sodden with water, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and, and I've never supported the the couch itself, just your right to face your accuser on it. 
Anyway, yes. it gives neighborhoods without covenants a chance to control something they normally couldn't. Councilman Doug Emery voted in favor of the amendment. He said the amendment is just another tool in the toolbox the city can use to protect its neighborhoods from couches. Protecting its neighborhoods from couches. Oh, you guys, you only have one tool. The city only has one tool. Yes. It's violence. Oh, there's lots of tools in the city, I can assure you. Um, (laughs) Civil liberties are important, Emery said, but sometimes we need to protect our older neighborhoods. So, civil liberties, pusha, we've got to protect people's property values. Um... Now, you know, I can I I don't have as big of a problem with the situation where they say make it against the law to have a couch on your um, your property. But to me, if somebody is going to bring that charge um, and actually, I I guess I don't have as much problem with the idea that a law was already in place or something like that, because I I do think to some extent city codes operate as, uh, you know, the, the same sort of things as homeowners associations do. I know that you and the city people would like to believe that, Mark, but there's no, uh, in my opinion, that's absurd because the codes, the city codes could be really voluminous and nobody is... Nobody that buys a house really considers the city code when they're going to be purchasing their home. I mean, they really don't. They're they're considering moving to an area because they're moving in for their family or they're moving in for a job or something like that, and they need to have a house within a certain area. They either choose to have a deed-restricted area in which to live, in which case then they are presented with the information, and they can choose or not choose to elect to abide by that, to, uh, to, to get into that particular contract. Uh, but with but with moving into an area, no, I'm sorry, I don't think it holds. I don't think that holds water. And, and another problem you can look at is if people lived there prior to the codes being put into place, they didn't. They never moved into the community knowing that those codes were in place because they weren't when they first started right. living. Hey, there. they should have voted, man. They should have voted. I, I can I can agree with you on on that. Uh, you know that uh, that there's some problems there. If I moved into a neighborhood and then someone uh, decided, well, we need some codes here. Let's get let's get busy and make some code. I I can agree with that. However, um, what it doesn't, you know, what you moved into this uh, this house here, and likely that uh, that that rule was in place already. And the fact is, I've, uh, you know, I was dating a girl who bought into a uh, a condominium complex, and the contract was eighty pages long. Do you think she read all the rules of the homeowners association? No Her problem. Right. Well, it's your problem for not reading the city um, city laws. But then. C- couldn't the same argument be made about any set of laws, not just code? I mean, you could argue that they function the same as like a homeowner's agreement or, you know, some kind of code of conduct you sign when you work for a company. You could just argue that all laws are akin to the private marketplace, but they're not because people don't choose. You don't don't actually have to consent to it. It's really about uh, original ownership in this uh, because Ian wouldn't have any problem with me buying a piece of land, cutting it up, making a bunch of rules that were arduous and and weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody had to wear purple or all the houses had to be painted chartreuse. That's not the issue. What the issue is is who who owned it, who owned it when and um, started where and, you know, when was the rule shoved down somebody's throat? Because at that, at the point that you're arguing, you could make the same argument for a homeowners association, but you don't have a problem with homeowners associations making their rules, do you? No, okay. but, that, but that's why I'm saying is that there's the question of ownership. You're, you're arguing that just because the city passes laws, somehow in the past they can claim that they owned the property? Because as far as I know, the it, city In a never homeowners owned... association, essentially the other people, when they vote on new rules, are acting like they own your property. Yes, Mark. Right. We all understand this. 
And the key difference, as we've been over a million times on this show, is that the people in a homeowners association have all consented to the process. Period. Every single one of them consented explicitly to that set of rules, whatever it is that the, the, the one could governing make the body, argument that you consented to the process. There's when no you argument bought, to be made there because there was there no is. explicit consent. Whereas there was with, an explicit whereas, consent, consent. Whereas with homeowners associations, it's quite explicit. You're signing an agreement. You're being presented with the deed restrictions. You're being presented with the rules. You're being told, look, if you want to live here, here's what here are what the rules are. Whereas here in Keene, New Hampshire, or wherever it is that you live, there is a group of bureaucrats that claim arbitrary control over a certain geographic plot of land based on nothing other than uh, than might, based on nothing other than the fact that they have men with guns on their hips, dressed in silly costumes, and cages in which to throw people that they disagree with, in which to throw people that they disagree. And so... I'm sorry. It's two completely different worlds. I understand that the supporters of government uh, would like to believe that there's some sort of legitimacy to their little process, that somehow because they set up little voting booths for people to go in, they can flip the little curtain back and walk in and check a little box on a piece of paper that all of a sudden all of the force and the violence that they use to enforce their particular set of rules is somehow legitimate. And I'm sorry, it's fantasy. Well, I'm a supporter of government because I consider myself a minarchist. I just don't sure. think that there should be laws that tell you what to do on your own private property. It seems like government stepping beyond its limits, and it's only there to protect life, liberty, and right. property, well, not right. to you know infringe on your property. Sure, rights. look at the uh, you know the founding documents that make it clear things like governments by the consent of the governed, life, liberty, property, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's obviously reached far beyond the pale. More on the way. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're completely free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then there are a variety of different ways you can do so. One of them is by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. As we enter into the holiday season, you're going to be looking for some gifts, I imagine. And Amazon would be the place to go and purchase those because you'll get the brands you trust at great prices, free super saver, uh, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage if you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amazon.freetalklive.com. Uh, starting out uh, tonight with a story out of Nebraska where they've made having a couch on your porch a crime, not just in your yard, as it is here apparently in the Keene, New Hampshire area, but in the on the porch uh, is is now a crime. Now, punishable by, Mark, did we even get to that part of the story? I think we got derailed. I don't know if we even finished the story. We got into this sort of uh, conversation about whether or not government zoning is in some way equivalent to deed restrictions, privately entered into uh, deed restrictions that are available up front, uh, part of the contractual purchase process, and very, very explicit versus the arbitrariness and uh, capriciousness of government, uh, of the government regulatory process and the various different regulations that might apply as zoning, etc., to one's property. A simple drive through the North Bottoms uh, neighborhood was enough to convince Ken Slobda, the only uh, other member of the council who voted against the ordinance. We're getting to a position where we're trying to regulate tackiness. Yeah. In order for a person... Micromanaging. 
Uh, well, you know, what, what can I tell you? You're, you're tacky. In order for a person to be fined for having a couch on his or her porch, someone has to file a complaint. Now, this um, is this is where I I separate from the you know the, these folks. I don't care. The, the, it's not the complaint that they should have to file. They come to you, and then if it's against the law, then they should have to file a lawsuit. They should have to come, uh, you know, and put as much on the line as the person they? that they're coming after. But where are the damages how can you file a lawsuit against somebody who hasn't damaged you in any way shape or form i think that um look i'm i'm not saying that i think that you know the the enacting of these rules is good because that's what's happening here they're enacting these mm-hmm. rules okay but if you're in a neighborhood um a, an existing neighborhood that didn't have any zoning restrictions at some point and then people moved in and they decided you know that they that some people wanted a uh a, a, a you know rules say there's a hundred houses Ian ninety nine of them decide that they uh, that they would like to have uh, you know the uh, this rule the no couches rule uh-huh. the the hundredth person um, owns it in the form of a corporation they actually live in Latvia um, you can't get a hold of them because they they're, they're behind a bunch of uh, yeah. co- corporate partitions you just can't find them to talk to them we don't hmm. even know who who owns the house it's it, okay. it's obscured. Is it okay with you if they then enact no, a No, that's tyranny nope. of the majority. If go. they all haven't consented, then it's tyranny of the majority. That's called democracy, and I thought you understood that that's a bad idea. I understand uh, why people would want uh, rules like this. I would run a rule like that. You if want I was rules, li- go and enter into a deed-restricted community where 100% of the people agree. Those communities are all over the place. You can find them everywhere. Well, let's just tear down this all is not the old, hard to do. Let's just tear down all the old houses. Let's just get rid of them. What would the point of that be, Mark? Well, then you're just destroying people's existing wealth. What's the point of that? Uh, well, because nonsense. <laughs> I'm just telling you that the fact is that all these neighborhoods could never have deed restrictions. You're talking about every existing house that doesn't have a a, a rule now could never have it. Essentially, that's not true. If uh, you know, again, if there's enough market demand for something like that, then you could very easily find people that would agree to reasonable controls on one's, uh, one another's property. And if they don't agree, then, you know, put your house up for sale and go buy one in a deed-restricted neighborhood. It's not hard to trade out properties. And if you were so, uh, if you didn't have a lack of foresight to understand that you would want to control your neighbor's property, want to have some sort of say or influence over what your neighbor's property looks like, and you went and you bought in a non-deed-restricted area buyer beware my friend you pay the price when you make mistakes in the marketplace and you know what when you pay that price you'll learn your flipping lesson and then next time you'll know what to look for it's just like anything in life you know whether it's uh, making a purchase on a house first time out you're going to make some mistakes you're going to get a house that uh, it's got some flaws that you didn't necessarily realize i mean the inspection report might not have necessarily turned it up i mean stuff happens in in this process especially in the realm of houses there are problems uh, and you come to learn some things, and then the next time you go around, you're a little more due, uh, due diligent during the entire process. You might get a better deal. You might get a better structure. You might get, uh, you know, uh, you might decide to get deed restrictions the second time out. So people get want, with the damn program. People want deed restrictions, and you're just... Let you, them you, have them, then. Yeah. They should have whatever they want, Mark. And they can get whatever they want in the marketplace. There are all kinds of levels of uh, control that you can have over neighbor's property. You could live in a trailer park. There are restrictions there. Or you can live in the most upscale, upper crust uh, style neighborhood that you can imagine, where there are all kinds of restrictions there as well.
They're all out there. Go and find it. And if they don't exist, then you can be an investor. And you can go and buy your own big plot of land and subdivide it, create all the rules all by yourself, and then see if you can attract people to your little community. Yeah. Well, Try that. I, I, I think what you're doing is driving down the value of existing houses. Because people, what I'm doing is yes. driving down what, what, what the value of existing houses. What you're proposing. Do we need to go back, Mark, to the story about Houston, Texas that we read on the, uh, the air a couple of years ago that pointed out that the unzoned areas of Houston actually rise in value at a higher rate zoning does than not the mean zoned the, areas? The zoning and having an ordinance on having a couch or something entirely different. You and different. I both understand it's government control over people's private property, and the more control there is, seems counterintuitive to me, seems like the, there's less less increase in uh, the the value of those properties. And you could also extend that argument to the point that you have to keep your home in 100% condition. I mean, you could argue that a home that's in 90% it's repair... It's a slippery slope, no doubt. Right. No so, doubt. It's so a once you slope. make the argument that it's legitimate, I I, you I, I, can regulate whatever people can do with their homes. in my neighborhood, you know, in, in what, what constitutes my neighborhood, not that there is much of one, if somebody tried to uh, come up with some kind of zoning rule, an additional one, I'd oppose them tooth and, ma- tooth and nail. Uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, I, was, I was at a some city count or town meeting or whatever kind of thing, and some woman was complaining about some guy having a trailer on his property because there was some rule against that, some ordinance. Mm. And, as, and I defended that guy because I don't want somebody coming after me one day for there having a There you go. Then that's what you should be doing is defending the undefendables. That way we can all have our freedom and we can honor our neighbor's choices, even if they might be icky ones we don't like. And if you don't like it, then go live in a place where you can control your neighbors. And the fact is that in most cases, you could simply, if you ask your neighbor to say, remove a couch or whatever is offensive to you, if they don't remove it then, if you offer them 50 or or $100, right. you could probably just I'll absolutely buy agree. them off. I've done this. Um, I did that with a neighbor when I was selling my house. I gave him 100 bucks to move his car, uh, you know, junky old cars out of there. And he did it. And, and, you know, it worked out great. But you know, some people you just can't do anything with. And I hate the idea of one stiff-necked jerk like, you know, Ian over here um, being in a neighborhood and screwing it up for everybody. Wait a minute. I'm a jerk, Mark, because I believe in property rights. I'm a jerk because I made the reasonable request that whoever this mystery person was complaining about the couch out in the lawn just come and introduce herself to me. That makes me a jerk. I understand some people can have a, you know this turn your nose up in the air snobbish attitude, and I don't know I, I don't really understand it myself, but they have that attitude, and that's what they want to think about me. Then that's fine, that's their business. But I think the people that know me know that I'm a relatively laid back person, and uh, you know I think the people that want to control other people's properties are jerks. So how about that? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. We got to get to your calls because uh, they're loaded up. It's free talk line. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Those features include, by the way, the uh, live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, all totally free. For you over at listen.freetalklive.com. Again, that's listen.freetalklive.com. Uh, Free State Project brings you the Liberty Forum. It is the biggest liberty-oriented convention you'll probably ever attend. Uh, and it keeps getting bigger, actually, so maybe next year it'll be bigger. Uh, but it's great. I mean, you really should come out to it. We're, we've been there for the past two of them, two of two, and we're, gonna be to, uh, we're going to be attending the third one coming up here in early March. We'll be broadcasting live the entire time. And we look forward to meeting you and having you come out and meet a lot of these great activists that we talk so much about here on the program, uh, these great liberty activists that uh, many of them have moved here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Some have lived here their entire lives. Uh, Many of them are all going to be at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum coming up in early March. Uh, Big-name people, too, like Glenn Jacobs, WWE's Kane is going to be there, Dick Heller from the Heller vs. D.C. gun decision, and so many others. John Taylor Gatto, Will Buchanan, uh, I believe... A lady from antiwar.com, uh, Angela Keaton. Keaton, is going to be there. I don't have the list in front of me at the moment, but uh, there's a, it's, it's a growing list. Uh, from what I understand, there are going to be some new people announced here shortly, and the early bird pricing is also going to be going away shortly. So if you want to take advantage of the early bird discount, you should go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum, get signed up, and use the Free Talk Live discount code to save some extra cash. Uh, save yourself an extra 10% by using the code 2009FTL, that's 2009FTL, to get registered for the upcoming 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum, brought to you by the Free State Project. We need to run right into these phone calls here. People have been waiting patiently. We start with Steve in Colorado. Steve is gone. Excuse me. Let's try Cameron. Cameron, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? You're in Pennsylvania. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I have two things for you. The first uh, the first one is the story out of uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts. I don't know if you guys heard about this. A 74-year-old blind woman has been uh, told that they'll have, she'll have a lien put on her house if she doesn't pay one cent on an outstanding utility bill. Yep. Yeah, I saw that story. In fact, I had it here in my show prep for tonight. Pretty outrageous, huh? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I mean, sure, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know much about liens and stuff. It says here it's a lien of $48. That doesn't sound like a lot, uh, but still, I mean, for, for owing one cent uh, for, and it was from, like, the, the first half of the year as well. I mean, this is months ago, and now they're coming after her, and... Yeah, I thought the purpose of putting a lien on a piece of property was if you had a contract with somebody, say you had like a a, a plumber come out to your house and uh he effed up the job or something like that, and then you could essentially uh, lien his property in order to put some sort of financial obligation upon him to pay, but you can't lien him for more than what he's contractually obligated for, as I understood it. Maybe I I don't really understand it. A fine for being late, uh, likely, and then that's There's a late fee, right. But it would be that plus the original amount. And here they're saying I, that it would be $48 on a one-cent amount owed? That's a yeah, pretty big increase. Made, some, someone in the article even made the point that they, they, they had to pay $0.42 cents to mail the, this bill to her. So, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're already wasting money here. I mean, this is ridiculous. For one cent, they're going to go after an a, a elderly blind woman? Right. I, I mean, I, I hate to say – I'd like to be able to say I can't believe it, but unfortunately I can. You know? Sure. This is the world that we live in where these gang members calling themselves government believe that they can just do whatever it is they want to. In fact, threaten a 74-year-old blind woman. 
I mean, it's just, it, the insanity just continues to spiral down into this morass of madness. It's crazy what's going on out there. And who's going to come to this woman's aid? Who's going to, I mean, sure, somebody could come and cut her a check. Well, but if they come after her and they put her in a jail cell, who's going to do anything about that? Yeah, I, Exactly. Who knows? Well, I mean, in this case, likely um, it's the absurdity of it all. I mean, she can she can afford to pay the one penny, I oh, suspect. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, in this case, it's just showing sort of the absurdity of it, that the government is inefficient, which is great. The so, government is inefficient, and we need to be shown that all the time. Likely, right. uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't find you would it'd be far less likely you'd find a situation like this in in the free market. They just wouldn't send the bill. Yeah, most when businesses, it's a, there's a certain cost to collections, and if the cost of collection is higher than the amount of the bill, it's, exactly. well, you write it off and you move on. Well, it, it's just, I can't believe it. And this, the second thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys tonight is the subject of law schools and going to school to be a lawyer. I'm, uh, I graduated college about three years ago. I did my undergrad in film, and I kind of want to make a career change, and I was thinking about what I wanted to do, and listening to you guys, I got really into libertarianism and like, the Constitution, so I thought maybe going to law school would be a good way to go, but I, I don't know. I, I have an ex that ended up going to law school and it seems like her and all the other people that go to law school, I mean, she's the kind of person was, if I ever made a comment badly about the military or the police, you know, she would get all upset, like, how could you ever say that? And it seems like everyone going to the law school that I've heard about is either, you know, they're either, they, they're, you know, hardcore Republican, like, you can't insult the military and we can't have drugs, you know, she was big on anti-drugs, or they're these super democratic liberals, like, we must, you know, we must get rid of any speech that will hurt other people and we must fight for the, you know, for... For people to get welfare from the government and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, well, I, I really want to go, but I don't know what they're going to teach me there. And I'm kind of nervous about applying. Well, so. <laughs> um, hopefully they'll teach you how to, uh, if, if you're going to go to, to, to law school, they'll teach you how to be a lawyer and sue people and write up contracts and do all the other things. I don't think that the political opinions of your ex or anybody else um, who might go to law school or teach at law schools really entirely the issue, other than the politics of the state being legitimate and right. it seems like you should go to law school since all the other lawyers are either rabid republicans or rabid democrats by that account exactly but, but then i start to you know i talk to people that have gone and they say oh well they teach you constitutional law in the third year and i sit there thinking like isn't that the basic law like isn't that the first thing you should learn is like the basic law of the united states how come they wait to the third well, year in and then you look at people like barack obama was a constitutional law professor at the university of chicago like i don't know about you guys i don't want to <laughs> learn law from uh, constitutional law from yeah. barack obama well, i think that's a good point constitutional law is a bunch of lies because essentially uh, it's it, you know the supreme court interprets the constitution it's what we say it is and then right and yeah. and you know they you know as well as i do that plessy versus ferguson and uh, brown uh, versus right. the board of uh, topeka i mean, I mean, they, they change it. I mean, that's the most egregious example is that first uh, separate is equal and then separate is not equal. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just some guys saying uh, we think this and, uh, you know, here's some words in the Constitution that we've managed to, you know, twist into that. The constitutional law is a bunch of lies. And so it doesn't really matter. I mean, what they say right, as far right. as constitutional law. And you don't use constitutional law very much on a daily basis, would be my right, guess, right. is, is exactly. that you're mostly arguing tort law or contract law or just under the statute. So they probably figure that you don't need the really in-depth stuff until you have you grasp the, the 
the day-to-day right. use of what you're going to be learning. You know, I think that'd be an interesting question to have it's somebody right. answer who has uh, gone through that process and who is somebody who considers themselves a, a liberty-oriented individual today, especially if they already understood liberty when they started, not if not necessarily if they found it in the middle of law school. I mean, that'd still right. be an interesting answer, but to have somebody be able to comment and say, yeah, I got liberty, I understood allowing my neighbors to be free, and all this you know, stuff that we understand about liberty and non-aggression, going into law school and looking at it from that perspective and saying, well, yeah, at this point they tried to teach me X, Y, and Z, and I knew that was a bunch of bunk, but at the same time I also had to recite X, Y, and Z in order to pass the tests. So it's exactly. probably going to be a situation like that. that. They're gonna, I'm afraid you know, they're going to be like, well, this is, this is you know, what they say, and then if you, know, you try to give a differing opinion, I mean, when you try to get out of law school to get a job, you know, they talk to the professors, and it depends a lot on how you did in, in, sure. in law school. You know, I don't want them to be like, well, you know, he, he, he's argumentative, and he doesn't agree with our interpretation of the law, and I well, can't. Um, I, I would think if I were going into law school, my expectation of what my life would be like afterwards would not be um, sort of the firm where one went, uh, yeah. you know, went off to get hired at one of these big, uh, you know, uh, lawyer mills in some mm-hmm. large city or anything like that. I just wouldn't want that for myself. I'd mm-hmm. want to work for myself, and likely at that point, you might you might be taken on as associate at some smaller firm, and then um, right. you know, strike out at your own later. And I don't think the smaller firms care quite as much. Um, the, you know, the, the bigger the firm, the more they're going to care about uh, how well you did and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. um, There are probably going to be a lot of influences. I mean, people are going to try to influence you in the direction toward the state. But if you got if you, you know, if you get it, if you're a principled, liberty-minded person, it, I think it would be an interesting experience just to look at it from that perspective and say, wow, look at what they're doing to these law school students. Uh, and, again, if anybody's out there listening that has gone through that process and wants to share their experiences, I'm sure Cameron would, Cameron would appreciate it. And I thank you for the call. More on the way, you take control. This is Free Talk Live. 259-9231 and log on at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. The bulletin board system is one of those, and uh, it's over 400,000 posts. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there, serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. Again, bbs.freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. It is Alex in New Jersey on the Amp Line. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Mark, can you do your impression of the Norwegians again? (laughs) You people are barbarians. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if he's laughing at you or with you. Who cares? (laughs) As long as they listen, right? Mm, Okay. So anyway, um, I was wondering, Ian, why do you call the judge uh, Mr. Burke? Shouldn't you call him Ed? Why would you give him that respect of Mr.? Ooh. Yeah, you know, that's, you a, in a that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, well, you know, right now they're threatening to throw me in a cage. Uh, and Ed is just not as cle- clear as Burke. I mean, we know which Burke we're talking about, I guess, more so than Ed. There can be a lot of Eds out there. They're probably less Mr. Burke's fewer. in the Keene area, fewer Mr. Burke's. I don't know. But you're still addressing him with Mr. Yes, but I didn't call him your honor at any po- at any point. Never did I call him that. I still think that Mr. is a sign of respect, which is why when I went to school and uh, the authoritarians there called me Alex, I said, would you like it if I called you Damien or would you like it if I called you yeah. Scott? 
And they said, well, no, you know. And I, I said, think that's all right, fair. So then you can call me Mr. in my last name. Right. And now all the administrators at the school call me Mr. Address me as Mr. And I that's address great. them as who they are. So I think that's kind of fair. Uh, no, I, I agree like with that, that. But they kind of gave me sly looks. I think you. I think you're absolutely within your rights to uh, to demand an equal amount of respect from those people. Absolutely, I think that's great. Right. Good stuff, Alex. So, are you going to continue to call him, uh, Mister? Um, you know, I, I really only I call him Mister on the air. I don't think I called him Mister Burke at any point in the uh, the proceedings. I don't believe I did that. Likely, the uh, the judge has only referred to him as Ian Bernard or Mister Bernard. Yeah, that's probably true. And uh, as far as uh, I think I might have called him Sir when I was doing the uh, the begging portion on Monday morning via the the video conference. I call, but I every... call people I don't like Sir. You know when people call this show and they get all uppity and they get nasty. I use the term Sir quite uh, quite frequently there. So it's just kind of a standard mode of communication for me. Uh, but I see where you're coming from, and I encourage you to come up here and do that very thing. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank Alex, for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We continue with Paul in California, also on an amp line. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. Ian. Good hey. to talk to you again. Good to have uh, you here. What's on your mind? I download last night's download last night's show, and I saw the first item was you were out. So here I am. I'm not going to ask you to re-repeat all the stuff that was in that show. I'll listen yes, sir. to it later. But... Uh, I just want you to know that uh, I'm going to pretend that maybe all this talk about filing criminal charges might have uh, influenced his decision. I don't really know what hmm. the what the reasoning was they used to, uh, to uh, let you back out. So, so I don't uh, know either, and we may decision. never know. We may never know. I mean, maybe I'll get to take old uh, Burke out to the you know take him out to lunch or something, pick his brain. That would not be uh, but proprietous. I don't know how to get him to do that because they don't like it when you talk to him. So I'm not sure how no. to go well, about that. Somewhat- Somewhere down the road, after you guys have made a lot more progress and in, in towards liberty, maybe he might. Uh, he might get a little ostracism. He might get a little ostracism from some of his associates. Uh, interestingly enough, I discovered that the the manager over at Panera, where Julia works as a manager, the the, the top the top manager there, is in some sort of an Irish gentleman's club with uh, with old Judge Burke. They have strippers. Really? Uh, I don't think it's that, Mark. It's oh, like, you know, yeah, we've got Irish organization. Yeah, we've got Irish blood, we're all brothers, etc., that kind of thing. And so I he those was are, I shocked. Always think those are, those are interesting. There's there's one for just about every ethnicity and I, I they they seem so weird and exclusive to me. I Yeah, well, I mean, it's something about, you know, people well, are really that's cause you're not, that's cause you're not Irish, Mark, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I you know, I'm adopted, so I got I came with papers and I guess I am uh, a, a one eighth Irish, but I don't I don't think I have quite the same uh, thing about ethnicity that uh, some people do. Some people are really uh, into their culture and their history and their family and genealogy and stuff like that. I, I think it was largely immigrant communities because I know that my grand yeah. fraternal grandfather was in the Polish club in Massachusetts and that's because they were only I think he was he was first generation American. So that, you know, you kind of cling to your ethnicity when you're new to a different country. So, you know, that could but be I something. I like your idea about ostracism, though. Yeah. Um, it could one, be... of things I was thinking, one of the things I was thinking about was that if, you know, the, the judge was going to stay hidebound and leave you in jail, and, you know, had to have, and, and this is why it's so important to have a bunch of liberty people living in the same place, it's possible in a community where there's enough people who are up to speed on what's going on that somebody who is doing harm to a member of the community, 
I mean, if they go to the grocery store, the grocer says, I'm not going to sell you any groceries. Yeah. Go to the gas station. I'm not going to sell you any gas. That would be you the know, ultimate. You let that guy out of jail. Otherwise, you know, you, you're, non, you're persona non grata around here, buddy. Yep. That would be the ultimate that form of ostracism, in my opinion. I think it's well, a great idea. Well, that's how the free society should work. You can't hurt other people. We can't put do we were not going to do violence against you, but we're sure as heck not going to do business with you. Yep, that's why I think that ostracism ostracism can be so powerful and I think that we need to think of other peaceful ways to ostracize people beyond just the regular old protests uh, on the street corner and and stuff like that. And I think that uh that you, what you're touching on there is a very powerful way. Obviously that requires a really informed populace to be effective, especially in larger populated areas, but in a, in a a smaller place like like where you live, Mark, a, a small town, or uh, Grafton, New Hampshire, where there's this big influx of uh, liberty activists into a very small town. That's something that could become a real reality. I mean, you could you could have uh, just a couple stores in town that could be owned by people that love liberty, and then anybody else that wants to live in town and be a, a thug would have to go and drive a half an hour to go get their food. Like they'd still get the food because they could go to some anonymous shopping center in a place they don't live. They'd, they they'd change their tune so fast, it, it, like your head would spin. It'd be inconvenient as hell for them to live that particular lifestyle. That's all. And, and so that's yeah, what the ostracism would do. Ostracism would do. And, and if the people they met would kept asking them politely, well, why are you doing this? You know, this person didn't hurt anyone. What is? What are you thinking? You know, and just get them to really look at what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there are always going to be critics out there, and people have even been critiquing the... Um, the letter that I wrote to Ms. Engert, the young lady that actually brought this entire situation in the first place by complaining to the city code enforcers about the couch in the yard in the first place. And I sent her a letter today uh, entitled, uh, I Forgive You, Michaela. And, of course... I did read that. That was well written. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. that. Was great. Well, some people were commenting and, and, there saying that, uh, you know, I wasn't being sincere or that, you know, that it was passive-aggressive, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, this one brain-dead trout that's, that wrote this long missive, it's like, Mike, I mean, if you analyze their letter for passive aggression, holy criminy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he thinks thou dost protest too much. Yeah, take your plank out of your own eye, right? Thanks, Paul, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Yes, sir. Hey, yeah, we will. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So yeah, maybe I'll get to that letter here in a little bit. But, I mean, the, the, the whole idea that I... <laughs> I understand, and I appreciate critique, okay? I read it, and I, I, I internalize it, and the, the parts that I think you know, I should change, I'll change. You've got to be careful with the critique, though. Um, I mean, It'll drive know, you crazy. It will. It yeah. absolutely will. And I, so I, I'm thoroughly satisfied with what I wrote uh, to this young lady. I'm glad to get it. I, just, I, can't, I can't listen to every um, bit of critique that's out there. Because Somebody suggested it was dis, a bit disingenuous. Look, I understand nobody is going, not everybody is going to agree completely, and, and she is, I don't know how she's going to receive this. But I would think that a letter entitled, I forgive you, is probably a little better than going out and protesting in front of her house or doing some sort of other action right. that and would result that, in her being uh, upset. I think that the uh, the letter itself could, uh, it, you know, it, it might call off the dogs, as it were. I know that there's been, uh, you know, action against her by uh, listeners and that kind of thing. That actually was one of my intentions, was to write this to her in the very last portion, I suggest... Hey, you know, you don't have to do this, but if you would like to apologize, it'd go a long way to showing people that, you know, 
you made a mistake and that you didn't understand what was going to happen as a result of what you were doing. And, and if she was to come out and... The possibility and, exists. Right. If she was to come out and talk about this and come out and say, look, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I didn't intend for you to go to jail and et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of people would back off and, and she'd get a lot of accolades for doing something like that. I know that uh, Nick, you and Toby are inviting her on Freeminds TV at some point. <laughs> um, she, we, it, the invitation has been made, but she has not responded. And to right. be quite honest, I don't think she will. I, I can understand why you why you would not want to go in front of the spotlight for that. Sure, sure. She hasn't responded to uh, my email as well. Hour number two is coming up. Scott Horton is going to join us here. If your calls are on hold, we will get to you. Please be patient. We're going to talk to Scott Horton briefly from antiwar.com about what he's doing over on that website. It's a big, a big site, Antiwar. More on the way. Hour two coming up. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And again, that is freetalklive.com. As we launch here in hour number two of the program, I'm going to take a quick break from taking your phone calls to go to a guest. Uh, we have them on from time to time, and uh, it's, it's very occasional. So has to be special. He must be special. Uh, Scott Horton, I've heard a lot about you. Never actually, I don't think, had the chance to speak with you. Uh, and Mark, uh, thank you for, I guess, setting this up. I guess you weren't planning for me to be here. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure what you guys were going to be covering beyond antiwar.com, which is the, the website that you work for. Uh, Scott Horton is with us, and uh, antiwar.com is probably one of the biggest liberty-oriented websites out there on the Internet. Are you there, Scott? I'm here. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome Certainly. aboard. You're, you're also a radio host, are you not? Yeah, afraid so. Well, what is it that uh, that you do? What's your show? Go ahead and uh, plug away here before we get into what we're going to talk about. Well, uh, I'm just on this uh, little community radio station here in Austin, and I uh, do mostly an interview show, and then I post all the archives of my interviews, well, the foreign policy-related interviews, which is most of them, at antiwar.com, and usually two a day, and I try to keep them uh, about 40 minutes long, nice and in-depth, gets asked every last question on my mind before I let them go and just interview the best authors and reporters that I can find and make the best sense out of what's going on in the world that I can. I know I've seen your name thrown around a lot over at uh, LouRockwell.com. Were you, weren't you on a recent Lou Rockwell podcast? Uh, no, no, I haven't okay. talked with Lou. I've, I've interviewed him quite a few times on oh, my okay. show. Maybe that's what I was hearing then. Great. Uh, so how can people go and get your podcast? Is it over at antiwar.com? Yeah, yeah, all the uh, radio archives are at antiwar.com slash radio, and uh, if you just go to antiwar.com, you can see the antiwar radio section there at the top of the page. Because I know our listeners are always hungering for more pro-liberty content that they can uh, plug into their MP3 players, so I think I that's... i got plenty of that. It's great. Uh, on average, about usually 10 interviews a week for them. Wow, that's pretty wow. busy. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, Scott, I, I guess the re- the re- reason that I wanted to have you on that Angela and I talked about was uh, Barack Obama. We're going to be having an, a new president now, uh, different than Not the last. Not my president. Isn't it exciting? And and I just want to know, how, look, he's he's clearly for peace, and he's going to bring all the troops home, and we're not going to have any foreign, what? you know, we're not going to have any soldiers in foreign lands, right? 
Uh, wrong. Okay. Sorry, afraid so. Yeah, that's no problem. All right, so if you've got an Obama, so what's he do? if you've got a fan of Obama listening to this show right now, what would you say to them about the fact that this guy is not at all in favor of peace? I mean, what what do you got on this guy? What kind of dirt? Well, I would just say take him at his word so far, and and his word so far is that he wants to get out of Iraq as soon as he can, but he wants to leave in enough troops to protect the biggest embassy that's ever been built in the history of the world. He wants to leave counterterrorism forces inside the country, and of course enough forces to provide force protection for them, and so <laughs> we're back into at least the tens of thousands here after the so-called withdrawal. Um, so he's totally in favor of occupying Iraq. Yeah, you know, a yeah. year ago they asked him in one of these debates, they asked all the Democratic candidates, can you promise that you will have all of our troops out of Iraq by the end of your first term in office in 2013? <laughs> and Barack Obama's answer was the same as Hillary Clinton's, no. Hmm. And this is the same guy who says he wants to increase the size of the Army by... Uh, I think 30,000. Another place, uh, I think he said 100,000. He uh, wants to surge into Afghanistan and turn the disaster in Afghanistan even worse, I guess, on the scale of an Iraq-level disaster. Apparently not enough people have died over there. Right. No, no, not nearly enough. And then this has got to be the single worst idea that anyone has ever come up with that I I can't even imagine. Well, I guess picking a fight with Russia. But uh, (laughs) other than that, this guy, which is a danger, too, um, but he he's on the record of wanting to put American combat forces on the ground in Sudan in the name of a humanitarian mission to help the people of Darfur. Yeah. Although, from the point of view of the people of the Muslim world, that'll simply be expanding the front of the war on terrorism to yet another Sunni Muslim country. And where in Sudan, where there's been massive violence there over the years, there have been no suicide bombings. Well, you put American forces on the ground there, that's going to change. Wow, it's the yeah, absolute yeah. worst thing. And now, don't get me wrong, because John McCain promised to do the very same thing, and I'm sure he meant it even more. But, uh, but no, I mean, Obama has, has basically said, you know, his mission, in so many words, is to save the empire. Not to, not to bring it home, but to manage it correctly. These Republicans are absolutely incompetent, and so it's time to get professional realist types in there to shore up the empire so we can keep it for the long term. What is it about people who are supporting this uh, Barack Obama who were – I saw somebody with like a peace symbol Obama bumper sticker on their car, and there's just the whole idea that, that you could possibly believe that this guy's in favor of peace. I mean how little do well, you have you to be paying attention? Them. You can't really blame them because on one hand you have the Republicans who are just outright warmongers. John McCain saying, of course we ought to occupy Iraq forever. We're going to keep it forever the mm-hmm. same as – we have troops in Italy and Korea and Japan forever. And so obviously he looks like the peace candidate compared to that. He was against the Iraq war before it started and has denounced it. You have to get to the details of, well, what exactly is this guy proposing before you really you know, get to my level of cynicism, I think. On its face, he's the Democrat. He can't be as bad as the Republicans when it comes to issues of war and peace. That's what most people think. It's it's obviously not the, not the case. Yeah, and they detail, conveniently but. forget that Bill Clinton dropped bombs in Iraq too during his uh, administration. You know, in fact, he dropped them on Iraq on the average of once every three days. 
for since, eight years straight. Yeah. Since we're talking about similarities uh, between these uh, Democrats and Republicans, have you been following the national service uh, concept that's been being thrown around? I know that you know antiwar.com might. I don't know how much you guys are following the national service there uh, thing because it's not necessarily targeted at the military. Uh, it's more targeted, as you probably know, uh, to expanding bureaucracy into or, or bringing more young people in America into government bureaucrat jobs, the military included, but also things like AmeriCorps. Of course, we're talking about conscription here, so I imagine that you'd be concerned about something like that. Sure, yeah, and opposing any form of conscription is at the very highest priority over at antiwar.com. And, and of course, like you say, they're going to mix it all together, right? Oh, well, let's see, you can do five years at the old folks' home, or you can do two years in the Marine Corps. That's the way it's going to be. Now, I don't know if we've seen, you know, real proposals beyond uh, Rahm Emanuel's book and you know, a couple speeches that Obama Oh, they're coming, did. though. <laughs> yeah, I, they're coming. I, certainly, I certainly think it's a danger, and, and frankly, I think it's a, basically a done deal. I mean, John McCain was in favor of the very same thing. The Republicans are all about sacrifice and great stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we all have to share in the misery that our government brings to people around the world. It's not fair to bring them all that misery if we don't all partake in it a little bit. Well, you know, I'm going to open up the phone lines here. I mean, to anybody that wants to talk to Scott Horton, uh, he is from antiwar.com, hosts the uh, the radio program over there. You can go to antiwar.com slash radio to listen to that. Of course, if you just go to antiwar.com, you'll get daily updated news about all kinds of uh, war-related situations going on around the world, stuff that you're never going to see in any other newspaper or publication. I mean, it's just, this is, it's it's all public news. It's all legitimate sources. It's just that it's all been obscured. And anti War.com does a great job of bringing all that to the forefront. Now, hasn't Obama said something about Pakistan, too? I mean, uh, like, we haven't had enough uh, war. We, he's got something new planned, right? Sure, yeah. And, in fact, in the second debate, I think it was John McCain credibly criticized him for running his big mouth about, uh, you know, if Pakistan won't kill Osama bin Laden, we will, which, hey, Osama bin Laden's in Pakistan. That means we have to cross their border. In fact, the funniest thing about that, I thought, was that they kind of went back and forth and with the moderator, and all three of them pretended that they didn't know that George Bush has been bombing Pakistan virtually every day for the past couple of months. Yeah, wow. And so, you know, uh, Obama being willing to talk about it was sort of beside the point at that point. But, yes, he has indeed said, uh, basically endorsed the policy that George Bush is, the, the fire that George Bush is playing with right now, which is bombing inside Pakistan. In fact, even sending ground troops across the border in a couple of cases at least. There's been... 120-something airstrikes, I believe, in the past couple of months. And um, different reports about, you know, kind of the don't ask, don't tell agreement with the Pakistani government. But the Pakistani government, as as we know in our experience, the Pakistani government isn't the Pakistani people. And sure. bombing inside that country, again, a nuclear-armed country, uh, for those not familiar, is uh, certainly playing with fire. And the fact is, George Bush let Osama go back in... 2001. He's hiding out in the Hindu Kush mountains, and there's no way that American forces can invade and get him there. So we're on the way here. Like, Hang on, uh, Scott. Bob. We're gonna bring we're gonna bring you back here. If you got a question for Scott Horton, 800-259-9231. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. 
And the features there include the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Again, shrine.freetalklive.com. Plus, funknobs.com is an online store featuring whimsical decorative knobs and poles catered toward consumers looking to give the playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even the kitchen a unique and fun flair. Funknobs.com is the creation of parent company internobs.com. Online since 2004. Use the code FTL to save 10% at funknobs.com. We go back to our special guest, Scott Horton. He is uh, the, he's the radio commentator for antiwar.com. You've, uh, you've got a local show in uh, Austin, Texas, and you also uh, extract that local program and you turn it into a podcast uh, on antiwar.com slash radio. So we're just sort of talking, I guess, so far about issues of well, what's going on in the war situations around the world, specifically the American politicians and what they say and what they actually do and how this Barack Obama character in no way is an anti-war individual. He's absolutely in favor of occupation, increasing troop counts in Afghanistan, and all of that stuff means he's in favor of killing people around the world in the name of, well, democracy or whatever the name of the American government wants to be in the name of at that particular moment. And, uh, Scott, are you back with us? I'm here. Great. I want to go to the phones here. Uh, I believe we have a question for you. Wolfgang, you are on the line with Scott from antiwar.com. Yeah, um, I don't have a question. I just wanted to uh, say that I think Scott Horton's show is by far the best thing on the on radio anywhere. Wow. And wow. It's really a good show. And you don't you want to go listen to the whole shows. If you just listen to the podcasts, that they're archived at the various places. You miss all the good monologues and rants in between and the punk rock music. <laughs> so wait, so hold on, I'm confused. The podcast is not necessarily the entirety of your radio program? Right, yeah, I do I do just the interviews there at antiwar.com and then actually at uh, chaosradioaustin.org. We keep the archives of the whole show for those interested in that. And thanks, Wolfgang, that's very nice of you to say. Wolfgang, any other but, thoughts for us? He's just really knowledgeable, and if you just listen, especially him on his own, you really learn a lot about the... Shirts and skins, as they say, that are um, you know involved in these conflicts, and uh, it's just a lot of really good detailed information. Great. So you want to get into the nuts and bolts uh, of the foreign policy as of as far as the United States government and again other governments around the world, uh, the and the wars that they're creating and the conflicts they're creating. Antiwar.com/radio. Thanks for the call, Wolfgang. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the number if you got a question for Scott Horton. He is from antiwar.com, uh, which is one of the I think one of the biggest most popular liberty-oriented websites and you're a liberty-oriented dude, right, Scott? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a uh... I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I used to be a menarchist, Beautiful. but I ran out of excuses. Yeah, didn't we all? Didn't we? Well, except for Mark. He's, and, I have and not yet Mark, run out of excuses. Yeah, I guess two-thirds uh, of the... You need to read some Hans Hermann Hoppe. You'll be done. I'm not familiar with old Hans. He, I don't think he wants to go and challenge his uh, belief system. He wrote Democracy, the God that Failed. Love it. That sounds great. I have not read it myself, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely in your camp, so we're two and two here. Nick and Mark, both menarchists, uh, you and I of the uh, voluntarist slash anarcho-capitalist. I still breed. don't believe in killing people. Um, I think <laughs> that's where the government needs to step out of first. So uh, anyway, uh, Scott, I wanted to uh, ask you specifically about, I think th- is this Russia-Georgia conflict, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be something big, isn't it? I mean, at some point? Oh, geez, uh, I hope it's only going to get smaller and, and uh, less meaningful to your life. I can't promise you that. But basically what happened there was that um, the Russians called us out and said, all right, you've picked a, a fight on our border. 
Now, how far are you really willing to take this? And the answer was uh, not far at all. Not particularly Even Dick far. Cheney apparently is not willing to trade American cities for uh, former Soviet Georgia there in the Caucasus. And, of course, when we're, you're talking about the Russians, you're talking about people who are armed with thousands of hydrogen bombs. Is mm. there any country in Eastern Europe that you're willing to give your hometown for? You know, not me. Uh, yeah, that, there's not a single one, and, and uh, nobody wins in that trade. It's not like you walk away with the town in Eastern Europe. Everybody's dead. Nobody ever wins in war. I mean, everybody people die. The politicians and the people well, that sell okay. bombs. All well, right. and particularly when you're talking about the con- any kind of conflict between America and Russia, the the only policy is to keep a cool head and work this thing out. Instead, America and this Barack Obama has signed on to this policy, at least rhetorically speaking. Uh, I think we're in danger of seeing the very same policy continue, and that is. The policy of surrounding Russia, bringing virtually the entire former Warsaw Pact into NATO. And what that means is that, you know, if Georgia had been a NATO member when they picked a fight with South Ossetia and started bombing Russian peacekeepers and provoked the Russians into coming across the mountains to defend the South Ossetians, we would have been at war with Russia. I mean, there's your textbook example of why not to hand out war guarantees to little countries on Russia's border? They might have some problems in the future. Imagine that. But we need to let them stay small conflicts and, and keep out of them. And, um, in fact, in this case, it looks like the State Department was telling uh, Mikhail Saakashvili, the, the president of Georgia, to cool it. And at the same time, the vice president's office and John McCain's campaign apparently were telling him, yeah, go ahead, don't worry, we have your back. They, I guess they thought, you know, uh, an incident over there with Russia would help boost McCain in the polls, which, in fact, hmm. it did for a little while. Yeah. I can imagine it would help him in the polls, but uh, that's just disgusting. Can you imagine trading the lives of people for, uh, you know, for the hey, presidency? Country first, man. What's that? Country first. Yeah, well, country and, first, you know, right? Actually, the good news here is that France and Germany are, it, it looks like they are not going to go along with allowing Ukraine or Georgia into NATO, at least any time in the near future. Let's hope that. Barack Obama can't work his charms on them and change that. So my uh, my future is hinging on how uh, reasonable the French can be. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Dear God. Yep. Ever since 1945, pal. <laughs> so uh, Scott, people, how can they help you out besides listening to your uh, your radio program? People can contribute over at Anti. I know you guys do pledge drives frequently or a few times a year over at AntiWar.com. Is that right? That's right. Once a quarter, we do a fun drive, and we're in the middle of one right now. And oh, great. I have to tell you, with the the economic downturn and the election of Barack Obama, frankly, uh, has really hurt us. I think that mm. uh, it's really discouraging to, you know, think all these people have been reading antiwar.com all this time and apparently haven't learned anything. They think, oh, the Democrat won, so now everything's fine or something. I'm oh, not wow. certain, you know, why it is that um, uh, I- I'm sure the the financial crisis has a lot to do with it, but we are certainly struggling this quarter, so... I uh, appreciate you giving me a chance to mention that it is our fun drive right now at antiwar.com slash donate. We're taking whatever you got. And, uh, Scott, I had a foreign policy question for you, but it's kind of a general one. Um, do you, How do you feel that super states like the EU and the African Union, what effect do you think they're going to have on international relations in terms of war and peace? Because we we can see individual countries in the EU contributing troops to, say, Iraq, um, but up to this point, the EU does not really have a sizable military of its own to commit. And on the flip side, you've got uh, something like the African Union, which is meant to guarantee peace, but certainly it hasn't uh, done an effective job of that on, on the African continent. Yeah, I'm really not much of a believer in 
going to higher authority to keep peace among lower ones. I guess depends on the circumstance, but usually if you go to your boss's boss to complain about him, he, the boss's boss is going to take your boss's side against you, and I, I tend to think that the best way to to provide for my own security would be to hire my own security force. No doubt have. about that. It's Hang on, Scott. We'll bring list. you back for more. More with Scott Horton. If you've got a question for him, dial in 800-259-9231. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. And if you are on hold, we will get to you. Talking to a special guest, though, for the moment. His name is Scott Horton. He is from antiwar.com. Also want to invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find there, we give away. We've got archives. So if you've missed a moment of this show, click and download. You can get an entire year's worth for free right there on the front page of the website. Uh, and you can enjoy it on us. Uh, there's no charge. There's no jumping through hoops. You just click. They're yours. Freetalklive.com. So head over and enjoy all that on us. And also, we need to tell you about our friends over at SACL CAI. Jason Osborne and the crew over there, they do a great job at the collections business. Not only do they do collections, they also do early out billing and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients too. SACL CAI, see their banner right there at the top of our website at freetalklive.com. Again, that's SACL CAI. Bringing back Scott Horton, he is the host of the uh, the Anti-War Radio podcast. You can go to antiwar.com slash radio to download that. Uh, interviews with various different people uh, about foreign policy matters. So for those of you that really want to get into the details on this stuff, antiwar.com is the place to go. They've got all the stories, all the news that you just aren't going to see on the front page of the newspaper, and you're not going to see leading the headlines on any of the major media networks for the most part. Uh, antiwar.com has been doing a great job for a long time of covering these various different matters from around the world, not just things that uh, the U.S. government people are involved in, but uh, government uh, people from around the world and the aggression that they're bringing to other innocent people. Uh, you guys do a great job of covering that, and you're looking for a little bit of money uh, right now. The uh, Apparently, donations are kind of drying up with the election of Barack Obama. As you pointed out, people apparently believe that he's going to do something differently than Scott, George Bush. Scott, I have no, some it's advice. It's not going to take him long to be disappointed. Absolutely, friend. it won't take long. Scott, I have a little advice. If, uh, if, if donations are drying up a little bit, just go ahead and put a dirty, moldy, disgusting couch out on your front lawn. Go to jail, and people will donate. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that works pretty well. Huh? <laughs> Rally the troops and all that. As long as you're willing to sit a weekend in jail, and yeah, Scott's that kind of tough yeah, guy. He can handle it. Yeah, I tell you guys, I I was reading about that. I wanted to welcome you, Ian, back to relative freedom and congratulate you on getting out of that cage. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, so so let's go back to the phones here. People, uh, another question. Let's talk to Dan in New Hampshire. Dan, you're on with Scott Horton from AniWar.com. Hi, uh, thank you. Uh, Ian and Mark and uh, everybody else, as well as Scott, for all of your work. Uh, uh, it's incredibly important, and I think is actually having a good effect. Uh, my my thoughts. I mean, you guys brought up NATO a little bit ago, and uh, I, I, you know, the the logical conclusion to the collapse of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc threat uh, back in the early 90s. Uh, to me, would have been to disband 
NATO. Was there ever any uh, talk or, you know, thought to, like, hey, we can we can save a ton of money and, you know, look a lot less warlike and, uh, you know, basically do a lot uh, more for the, you know, the the good people of this planet Earth by disbanding this, you know, organization that its only purpose to begin with was to defend against this supposedly evil empire of the Soviet Union. Mm. Uh, well, I couldn't agree more, but the answer to your question is no. There was never any move to disband NATO. I think uh, Pat Buchanan wanted to get out of NATO back then, but uh, basically it was a dead issue. Uh, the neoconservatives led by uh, Charles Krauthammer and, and those others said, this is our unipolar moment. This is the end of history. It's the American way or the highway. And um, we're the world empire now. And, you know, I think, I think really the truth was laid bare that no NATO really wasn't there to protect Western Europe from the Soviet Union. It was, that was the justification. But it was always about world empire. I mean, frankly, at the end of World War, World War II, America inherited every empire less the Soviet Union. We got the Japanese, the British, the French, and the Dutch, and everybody's empire landed in our lap. And we've been fighting to maintain it and have killed millions of people maintaining it ever since. Uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, NATO has their own intelligence entity, and, I, and according to Webster, uh, Webster Tarpley, they're uh, taking that uh, and using it to do a lot of uh, false flag terror over the years, you know, throughout Europe. And, uh, you know, I, hmm. you know the, the whole business, that, you know, of, of war, I mean, it, it is, in fact, I think, the, the, the most evil arm of, of statist uh, entities throughout the world of, uh, you know, just going out and wreaking havoc across the landscape no doubt. Uh, in order to just, you know, the, the war between the states here in the United States was nothing but, a, you know, killing 600,000 people for, for, you know, a fictitious political entity. It, and yeah. it just it scares the hell out of me. Well, that, all, that all political entities are fictitious. <laughs> they're all fictitious, Dan. Well, and they're all centered around the war power. I mean, that's what it is. All this you know, Social Security and, uh, you know, public education and all these things are, you know, simply beside the point. I mean, basically, they're, what a state is, is that, uh, that uh, monopoly on the socialist defense system, you know, is basically what it is. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, of course, it's, it's the absolute worst part about it. I'm, I'm actually glad the caller mentioned uh, NATO during the Cold War in terms of false flags and all that, the stay-behind program. In fact, a lot of the so-called uh, red terror across Europe during the Cold War was really NATO-backed right-wing mm. groups wow. setting off bombs to make it look like the commies were doing it. What? I mean, I mean, is anybody even shocked at this stuff anymore? Mm, it's amazing. Not here. <laughs> Thanks. Most people don't have a clue. <laughs> Dan, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. I have to admit that I, you know, I didn't know that much about I, NATO, but I believe I'm not shocked by any of this. Well, stuff. Uh, to me, NATO is kind of like the, uh, the, the so, sort of like the callers, the the equivalent of the uh, rural electrification board for you know global uh, uh, destruction. It, <laughs> it, it, it it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, you know, the Soviet Union's gone. Why the hell do we still have this entity? Sure. But, well, remember the uh, interview with Sarah Palin and and Charles Gibson, where he says, "Well, now listen, you want to bring." George into NATO, right? And she says, yeah. And he says, well, so doesn't that mean that we could actually end up in a war with Russia over Georgia? And she says, yeah, Charlie, that's right. And it <laughs> caused a big 
scandal or whatever because she was supposed to be politically smart enough to not answer it that way. You're supposed to say, oh, no, see, it's not a war guarantee. It's a peace guarantee. It's, it's as long as we bring more and more people into NATO, the Russians will never try anything, so it's okay. You've got to put some kind of spin on it because otherwise, what are you doing? You're telling the plain, unvarnished truth that what we're giving out here are war guarantees. And when if you say what when... happens to Latvia, you are on the line for them. Yeah, they're just being more and more blatant now than they ever have been in the past about just agitating for war and rattling the sabers. But I might, I might uh, deign to correct you briefly here. It's not we, because, Scott, you and I, we wouldn't do these things. It's them. It's the U.S. Oh, government no, but people. but you're on the line for it, is what I'm telling you. How is that? Live here. Well, I mean, I mean, your government has signed you up. They're not my, it's not my government, and I don't pay them. Anything I can avoid to pay them, I don't pay them. I won't do it. I won't participate in that. I mean, I, yeah, I pay my cell phone bill, but I don't think too much of that's going to war. Uh, as far as funding the war is concerned, it seems like it's mostly funded from the printing press and uh, from, you know, from income taxes. So, I mean, yeah, I can't avoid using Federal Reserve notes. So in some sort of roundabout fashion, like money is being extracted from my wallet without my consent, but I'm not consenting in any way to uh, participate in that. Are you? Sure, yeah. No, and I appreciate uh, you distinguishing between exactly who all is included in this we here, because it sure isn't my policy either. There but, you go. You know, basically, your government has signed you up to trade your hometown for whatever town in Latvia or Estonia may ever become threatened one day. So, <laughs> you know, Russian nukes start falling on your head. You find you're included in we after all. Scott, do you, do you see it also as... NATO, that is, as allowing European nations to essentially rely on the United States for their military oh, yeah. protection as well? Because, I mean, they don't really have much of a military to speak of in many European nations. Isn't that largely because they know that they have the United States to back them up as a result yes, of absolutely. NATO? absolutely. In fact, if you look in the 1990s, there was quite a bit of a push among the French and the Germans to go ahead and create an EU standing army separately from NATO. And there was a really big fight about it, and really Britain and America won out and said that the Atlantic Alliance is preeminent in importance, and we don't want to have this split. And right, gonna, so you know, continue to organize under the auspices of NATO and our alliance with the U.S. forever. And so the American taxpayer gets to foot the entire bill. Uh, we'll be more, right back. Right. more on the way here. Hang on, Scott. If you got the time, we're going to bring you back for a final segment. If you've got a call for him, dial in 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. But also, we if you are interested in buying computer parts, uh, a lot of people buy their computer parts, including myself, through Newegg. And we don't promote them as often because, well, the percentage just isn't as high as it is over on Amazon. But their computer part selection is tremendous. So if you're looking for components for computers and uh, other stuff related to computers, accessories, that sort of thing, Newegg's got it. And if you shop over at newegg.freetalklive.com, then Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So just remember, whenever you're looking for computer parts and supplies and stuff, head over to newegg.freetalklive.com. As we bring back uh, Scott Horton, he is the host of the Anti-War Radio podcast. You can go to antiwar.com slash radio to get a hold of that, add it to your aggregator. And uh, if you live in Austin, Texas, you can actually listen to Scott live. What was the uh, the call letters of the station? Chaos? K-A- Chaos Radio 92.7. I love those. That's a great Are, call. Aren't we on that 
uh, station? The, 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 it's a community station. Uh, that's the no, one that picks us up in Austin. No, Chaos is uh, Chaos is an actual FCC licensed station. There's uh, there are a couple of unlicensed transmitters in Austin that occasionally air Free Talk Live. So no, okay, uh, that is not, they are not picking us up. But we'd love to be on Chaos. It's probably uh, I don't know if that's possible. A lot I'm of sure the license will be news to the to the regular hosts there, but uh, I'll let them know. There's no license for Chaos. I'm sorry. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a uh, an FCC licensed station. Very All right, interesting. Well, I'm I'm sure Colin Palestone is listening or something. Let's change the subject. All right, we will move on here. That's great. Uh, that's even more. That's I like that. I love uh, community radio stations like that. So Scott, I, my question is is more about uh, sort of the the operating of uh, AnnieWar.com. Now the name sounds very uh, progressive and and uh, democratic, right? Um, democratic in the sense that uh, the Democratic Party. Do you get a lot of uh, attention from you know I like things like Daily Cause, Air America, the sort of Democrat media out there? No, I think they figured out that we're libertarian, ah. and we don't get. I don't think we have. Well, we certainly pay a lot of attention to the liberal left. I'm not certain uh, how much attention they pay to us, but we are extremely ecumenical in the way we run the site. We'll have Daniel Ellsberg and Pat Buchanan uh, have articles next to each other on the same day. Um, but, uh, you know, I think especially with uh, the election of Barack Obama, they're going to, uh, the, the liberal left, most of the liberal left is going to, uh, like antiwar.com, less and less as we stay true to peace rather than you know, partisan yeah. politics. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, hey, leave it to the capitalists, uh, the anarcho-capitalists, to go and register the domain name before they could get to it. Good good on you guys for <laughs> snatching that one up, because it's a great domain name. I mean, it's well, anti-war.com. Listen, I mean, the bottom line is this. If you want to be free, you have to recognize that there's we can't even take really one real step towards repealing the national security state in this country until we end the wars. We bring our troops home, then we can repeal the Patriot Act, then we can repeal the Department of Homeland Security, the TSA, the, the National Security Agency data mining, our every single electronic communication. These things were never going to come to an end as long as our government can point to some scary foreign enemy and say this is wartime. It, you know, war is the health of the state, said Randolph Bourne back in, I think, 1916. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's our slogan at antiwar.com, and that's bad. The health of the state? No, we want the state quite sickly, please. Absolutely. Choke it out. Uh, Smother it. it now. Is can can you see a scenario where a war is a an acceptable thing for you, Scott? Sure, absolutely. If um, say for example, the Spanish Armada was headed across the Atlantic Ocean and we wanted to meet them on the beach at South Carolina, something like that, that would be fine with me. Any any actual aggression against this country, the people of this country certainly have the right to repel that aggression. I'm sure. Again, not so much in favor of the central state, but. To, to say it like that is to really draw out how ridiculous it is, the idea that anyone would ever or could ever threaten the United States of America. Right. It's um, absurd. We're so blessed as far as the, um, you know, the, the geography of where we are currently. We have neighbors that uh, are likely – It's no time in our lifetime is Canada or Mexico going to try to invade the United States. Of course not. We, we could absolutely bring our troops Earth. home. There's only one nation on Earth that can really threaten us, and that's Russia. And they can't 
take our country from us. They right. can drop hydrogen bombs all over it and make the whole place worthless. <laughs> it's but so absurd when people... There's no interest in them doing so. Right, and, and sometimes on this program we'll talk about uh, World War II, World War One, and how, of course, had the, uh, the, the government people at that time followed the advice of uh, the Founding Fathers. They should have stayed the hell out of it. And, of course, some would argue that World War II never would have occurred had America uh, government people not gotten involved in the first conflict there. And, of course, inevitably somebody will always trot out, you know, the, the age-old line of, well, if we hadn't gotten involved, then we'd all be speaking German right now. And, I mean, right. it's just, how can somebody even say something like that? It's just so absurd right on its face. And the well, idea you know, that Americans would is, just roll over for something like that and, and just allow themselves. So young, we learn phrases like that so young. It's before we have the critical facilities to really do anything mm. about it. But I'll tell you, next time somebody says that to you, ask them. Do you really think that? Do you really think that Germany could have taken over the United States? And make them actually stop and think about it for a second. Come on. They weren't even attempting, much less had the ability to take England. The German Nazis could not cross and conquer from the, across the English Channel. And yet somehow they were going to conquer these 50 states? I mean, come on. Yep. This is so fantastic. It's, it's just silly. Yeah, um, you know, and, and the fact is, people don't question these things, and we no. every time somebody says something like that on the show, we ab- I absolutely do the yep. do that. Um, you know, I I sort of uh, next to Nick here, I suppose I'm um, a, a bit of a the, the historian on the show. I like that, and I'm interested in it. And the fact is, the more I look, the more I realize that there wasn't a legitimate war that we fought, and I like less and less the way Washington prosecuted the Revolutionary War. I think we would have done better with uh, you know light horse. Lee and the Green Mountain Boys, uh, you know, d- doing uh, militia acts. That's certainly the case that Murray Rothbard makes. That uh, that um, George Washington was, you know, horrible. He tried to turn the army into a European continental army, which it hmm. wasn't, and marched them out into big fields to be slaughtered in mass by the British. Yeah, and, and and that you know goes to another real, tr- I think, a tricky issue to broach with a lot of the people that have been brainwashed by the government education system uh, to believe that the military is necessary. I mean, yeah, you talk about bringing the troops home, and that's a great idea. Uh, closing down the military bases, the over 700 bases from around the world, also a great idea. I mean, I certainly support these things. But abolishing the military is an even better idea because then we could truly have the decentralized defensive agencies that we would really need in order to protect ourselves from whatever the threats might be out there. The whole idea that a centrally controlled bureaucracy that's bigger than the... Is, it, is the post office bigger than the military? Or the military oh, bigger? no, post no. Office. The military is... It is bigger. Far bigger. Than okay. Then the biggest bureaucracy in the country is somehow efficient enough to uh, to handle the threats to each individual here. I mean, it's just nuts when when as we see that decentralized activism is far more effective than a centralized command and control campaign. Similarly, decentralized defense would be far more effective than a centralized command and control. I, I mean, uh, I have to defense. say, I'm a, I'm a little bit more statist and pro- uh, on the defense issue. But not by very much. I mean, I, the standing army, I think, should be repealed and re- restore essentially the militia system where it's essentially local volunteers. And that's, you know, you can patch them together in a time of war and maybe maybe keep the Air National Guard on. I can see, uh, you know, uh, the, the idea of having an air defense is... is Somewhat important. You now. could still have air defense with decentralization. I mean, you can uh, have uh, private you have companies. Free market air defense. Uh, uh, well, Scott- I'd like to recommend to y'all, uh, you know, Hans Hermann Hoppe, who I mentioned earlier, who is a student of Murray Rothbard's and a prominent anarcho capitalist theorist, also uh, is the editor of a book called The Myth of National Defense. And it's a bunch of different essays by anarcho capitalists explaining how 
Look, there's just no such thing as national defense. This country's been at war since 1791. Well, certainly I'll agree that... They took the army and invaded Pennsylvania, and they haven't stopped since. I'll certainly agree that the problem here is too much state involvement and too much war as opposed to too little. So definitely Scott, we need to move it far in the other direction. Scott, will you defend real quick um, Ian's sort of Ian's position on this of uh, no, no government at all versus, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the militias, the, the, the crime that was going on in Iraq versus our military, the surge and the success there? And do it in 30 seconds. Well, I don't know if, you know... Um exactly how anarcho-capitalism plays into the situation in Iraq, other than to show that people will spontaneously defend themselves and are quite capable. In fact, uh, ragtag militias with homemade bombs and AKs have been able to stave off the American military all these years. But so. they failed. But they failed. I mean, the, the surge was successful, right? No. Surge no, has the not surge been successful. Was not successful. What was successful was the Shiite civil war against the Sunnis in Baghdad, but that was going on regardless of the surge. And what was also successful was that the Iranian government told Muqtada al-Sadr to cool it. And that wasn't because of the surge either. I see. Scott, it's been great having you on the program tonight. Obviously, we didn't have enough time to you know, dig into the details of how uh, the anarcho-capitalist society and the voluntary society could result in even better protection through market-based competition and that sort of thing, innovation, etc. Wish we could, but we're out of time. Uh, head over to antiwar.com slash radio to hear his program. And uh, give him a few bucks. Help support those folks over at antiwar.com. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three, and you can bring up anything just by dialing toll-free. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We roll right into your phone calls. People have been waiting very patiently as we had Scott Horton on with us last hour from antiwar.com. If you missed the interview, it will be up later at freetalklive.com for your downloading convenience. In the meantime, to your calls, uh, we talk to Spud in Massachusetts. Spud, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Spud, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hello, Ian. I met you over at the uh, uh, Keene, New Hampshire at the festival. Ah, excellent. The uh, the Freedom Fest. The Freedom Fest. My son Josh was playing. Josh Noon. It was a great band. Josh Noon band kicks butt. We really enjoy it uh, when he's out there uh, at the events because uh, Josh gets the Liberty thing, and uh, apparently one of the reasons why is because, well, you're his dad, and uh, you really get the Liberty thing, too. Well, I, I, I hope so, and I've been in agreement with almost everything I've been on the phone here waiting for an hour and a half. Okay. What, what I really want to help you, well, it, help you or whatever with was that when you got thrown in jail the other day, Yes, sir. Um, I wrote a letter to um, Dave Riley. Uh, uh, Ridley suggesting that uh, you have somebody write your writ of habeas corpus to get you out because what happened to you, you were never warned about. I mean, I guess there was a, a note on the blackboard or something telling everybody they had to stand, but you have to be warned before you be held, can be held in contempt of court, and that's probably why they let you go. Maybe. Because you weren't warned to sit down. Right. They didn't say <laughs> you're going to get contempt of court unless right, you do right. blah, blah, blah. They yeah, just said, cuff him. 
Arrest that man. Well, he did say sit down, sit down, sit down. As, as well, he might... didn't warn you that you'd be held in contempt of court if you didn't sit down. Okay. Didn't you say, Mark, that there was somebody that did some digging into the New Hampshire laws and it said something like, or maybe it was Dennis that was telling us this, I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me that apparently the New Hampshire uh, regulations for judges say that they've got to give a warning and they've Absolutely. also got to be reasonable and they've got to be like uh, approachable and <laughs> not yelling at the top of their lungs right out of the get-go. Right, right. And I wish you wouldn't have, you know, you said you went in there and begged in front of them because you probably didn't know. But, I mean, we're, 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 we're all dumbed down just from the public school right up through law school. We're not really taught how to exercise our rights. We're mm-hmm. the only one that can claim them and exercise them. And, and we're ignorant about it. We, we don't know how to do it procedurally Absolutely. in the courtroom. I've never done and, that before. I've never and, been in a court like I wished, that. I wished uh, I could spend some time with you, but you know, I, I hope you're not going in there representing yourself. That's because uh, you're supposed to present yourself, not represent? Is that the idea? No, you, the, the simple way you should be there is simply as a special appearance, not a general appearance, defending yourself against a loss of life, liberty, or property, and that you're not representing anyone or anything and never, never, I don't care how dumb you are you should, about the law, if you have a lawyer, you're just going to be told to stand up, sit down. You know, the, the, the prosecutor is your adversary. The judge, he, he is too. And, but your lawyer is simply a spy. And, 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 and I can't condone anybody getting one to go defend themselves because they'll be represented right through the system. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of uh, of getting a lawyer. I think that if I was to want to go through an appeals process, one might be helpful, just to because I well, kind of understand. You know, if you look at the Constitution. We should all have counsel. When I go to court, I bring counsel. I mean, I just need a warm body, and and I I do argue sometimes five or six hearings that I have the right to counsel of my choice, just as it states in the Constitution. And you know, lawyers existed during the time the Constitution was written, but. You know, wisely, our forefathers did not put them in there because I truly believe they'd figure out some way to to make a monopoly on this system, which they have with the Bar Association. And and it's now, simply just an anop- uh, a monopoly. Spud, when I was at the uh, the, the federal court where Lauren Canario uh, one one of her many trials, um, my friend Jim Johnson, her husband, uh, got up from the audience to go to uh, his wife and say, and he said, "I am her counsel. I am her counsel," and they would not let him uh, anywhere near that uh, the bar there, the, the, the go through the little gate. Well, I, I went to federal court once myself and they appointed me six different attorneys and um it took three years to try me of which it was a a 12-man jury or person jury and i was found innocent at the end of an 11-day trial with no with no attorney but i had my counsel and they wouldn't let him cross the bar but maybe one of the reasons it took so long is that i insisted on conferring with them and when they wouldn't let me i objected to them didn't denying me counsel hmm. and you know and I and I write motions demands and things of that nature when I go to court um, explaining how I'm appearing and who I am I'm not pulling any punches with anybody I wanted to be clear my position when I go there and you know uh, but, but you have to you almost have to impeach yourself from what society 
tout you to believe about what's really going on. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of interesting uh, theories out there about what to do in court, what will work, what won't. I mean, a lot of people have these uh, magic phrases that they believe that there, if you there's utter no, them. There's no real silver bullets, uh-uh. but they have a procedure, and you can use it against them, but your position has to be correct. You know what? Uh, to, to tell you a short thing, maybe I, I have a son that was busted on the wall here in town for having uh, consuming alcoholic beverages. Him and his two friends had a six-pack. Mm-hmm. And they went to court, and they got community service, and they got fines and all that stuff. But I went with my son, and we wrote the motions. We had to force him for the hearing. And when we got there, the, the prosecutor waxed down only for 15 minutes to tell the judge how we're wasting their time and all that stuff. I won't go into it all. And the judge called my son up, and I went with him, and the judge, the, the prosecutor objected about that. And the, the judge waved to him to sit down, and he asked him who he was. And Dustin told him. He asked him how old he was. He was 19 years old. And he asked him if he had a driver's license, and he said no. And the judge dismissed the case simply because he didn't have a driver's license. He wasn't driving. He was sitting on a wall having a brew at 12 o'clock at night in the heat of July. And uh, there are things that help you. They're not silver bullets. You can't walk in there with a driver's license and claim you're not that person. In, in those capital letters, because you have to understand the jurisdiction of where they're operating. They're not doing this at the common law. I mean, if I was you, I'd be demanding the injured party come forth and show the consideration of their claim. You know, the, the corpus delecti, the broken fence, whatever right. the problem is. That's. She, I, I wish he would have done that. Well, you know, I wasn't playing by their rules at all. I was trying to, uh, you know, basically say I don't consent. I was sort of testing the, their claim that uh, governments by the consent of the governed, and I was trying to get them to answer questions in regards to that. It's clear they weren't interested in doing that. So I well, think they that, won't. They won't answer a lot of your questions. But, right. Um, I think that next you. time I will play a little more into the system and we'll ask all kinds of questions uh, uh, to, in that vein and about, you know, the Constitution and did they swear an oath and, you know, ask for the, you know, ask to, to meet the accuser. You won't, you, won't, you won't get very far because they'll cut you off and they'll, sure. they'll, they'll bulldoze you. But the thing is, if you hold to your positions, that I've got to tell you, in the last 30 years, most cases have been dismissed. I've done half a dozen jury trials and always been found not guilty. Well, he the, the, he went to jail for holding for his position. Um, this guy, uh, in this particular instance, which I would say is illegal, and you know, there's there's more to be done about it later, and I think likely that will happen. But um, he, he he did hold to his position, and uh, this guy wanted to have essentially none of that. I think that the the biggest mistake that Ian made was not saying, "Well, I want to see my accuser here." You just named her, um, yeah. whatever her name was. I don't know. I asked who it was, and, and, right, and they gave right. it up. And uh, they told, and and then you didn't say. Well, let's have her. Well, I was. I, you I should know. do it. You should You're do in it in writing also, because you have a right to create a record and you have a right mm-hmm. to put motions into the court. All right. Well, here's what I'd like you to do, Spud, because it's all very fascinating to me, and we don't have time to really dig into all the details on the air because there's a lot of facets to it, and I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate knowing what you know. And I don't know if you have favorite websites or whatever that you could recommend to people, but um, what I'd like to do is invite you over to forum.freekeen.com and have you get involved with us over there because the the, uh, the Freedom Fest issue is actually coming up uh, on the 12th. Both myself and Toby, the host of uh, Free Minds TV, are going back to that very same court, and if if you're talking about how filing something in advance could help us, I'd love for you to, to help uh, explain what that might be, but sort of off the air in a, in a discussion forum format. Would, would you be able to come over there? Um, I'm almost computer illiterate. Oh, dear. All right. Well, then hang on. Maybe we'll bring it back here for another segment. More.
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show... And you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just do it over at amp.freetalklive.com for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, around the world, bringing more Internet listeners on board with the program and therefore the ideas of liberty, freedom. So if you like that and you like the idea of getting some perks, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, head over to amp.freetalklive.com and join the program. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com. As we go uh, continuing here, Spud is still on the line with us in Massachusetts. Spud, we, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you at the recent Keen Freedom Festival. You came out with your son Josh uh, from the Josh Noon Band, and uh, he was playing a little rock and roll, and uh, they got shut down, or at least attempted. Uh, they were, it was an, there was an attempted shutdown where the, the Keen cops showed up, four of them, I, I think it was the entire squad at that particular time of day on a Sunday, showed up to threaten everybody that was there, uh, threatened them and ordered them to uh, to mo- essentially move off of the property and move like 40 yards to the to the east of where we were. And it really seemed like just a, a show of force, just a, again, trying to get the activists to be obedient to them, just to show who's boss, that kind of thing. And sure enough, most of the activists did move over because nobody wanted to, to those people did not want to risk arrest to uh, Cat Canning's credit from the Keen Free, uh, Keen Free Press, or rather New Hampshire Free Press, she was the only uh, table, uh, the only vendor there that refu- uh, refused to obey the police. And sure enough, the, po- the cops didn't come back to bother her. So clearly it wasn't that big of a deal that uh, there was a table out there in uh, the Railroad Square in this public property. Uh, but nonetheless, they uh, they cited myself and they cited Toby Islin from Free Minds TV, and they're demanding that we show up at their court trial. You're saying that there are certain things that can be done here to sort of... I guess mitigate this, or maybe get them to call it off in advance, or or change the change the cards, if you will. And and you say you don't have really a, a computer literacy. Uh, do you have internet access? I do, I do. And I'm listening to your show over the internet. My friend is helping me here, Russ. He came with me okay. that day. Well, what I would suggest is uh, the, the Internet forums are not too difficult to navigate. It's really a matter of creating an account, logging in, and, and clicking the post button, and then clicking you know, the, the submit button when you're, when you're done with uh, writing your post. And I think that somebody like you that's actually had the experience at dealing with these courts and not using sort of the typical channels of hiring a lawyer, you, you go about it yourself, you, uh, as you say, you file certain paperwork, and you've had success with it in several jury trials, somebody like you with that kind of level of expertise I think would be very valuable in a place like uh, forum.freekeen.com where a lot of the, a lot of discussion is going on about how to interact with these bureaucrats these you know potentially violent bureaucrats how to deal with these folks I mean we can ex- explain some things on the air but it, when it's flying through the airwaves it's just not as tangible and, and, and easy to understand people aren't writing things down here I mean we can c- throw out some basic ideas but as far as the the details what these uh, pa- these pieces of paperwork are called the names and how to to structure them, all of that stuff can be done online, I think, much more effectively. They, they, they probably could, and there are probably better people to go to than myself for these sort of things. Um, although they do come out of your head, depending on the case. I have to ask you, is this a, is this a civil charge or a criminal charge that you're facing? You know what? I, I can't tell you what it is. I, I, the, the piece of paper, the, the pink slip that they gave me, doesn't... I don't think it makes it too clear. The, the county prosecutor, or the, the city prosecutor came and gave it to him. Doesn't that make it uh, criminal? 
Uh, no, it would have to state it. And, and you know, uh, when you go to court, one of your first things to do is ask them for the nature and cause of the accusation against you. And the, I'd go to jail. I tried that. They sent me into if a prison cell. Right, if he says that, he's going to jail. <laughs> well, you, you, you have a right to be informed, so at that point you have to object, and you've got to kind of stand your ground. Sometimes you have to leave it and come Slider. back to it. You know, but, but you should be informed of the nature and cause, and the nature is, whether it's criminal or civil, and they're usually pretty good about that part. And then when you ask them for the cause, which naturally is the jurisdiction, then, then they get fussy. They, they won't tell you that it's statutory jurisdiction, and I never ask them if it is. I ask them if it's uh, maritime or admiralty or common law, mm -hmm. and a lot of them will say common law. And then you demand the injured party to come forth and show <laughs> the consideration of their claim. You know, that's, that's the procedurally the way to do it. Procedurally, that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for, like to, to have somebody write this stuff down so people can actually give it a shot. I mean, ideally, it would be nice to have you move up here to Keene and, uh, and get active with us and have your expertise actually here in town, because uh, are you familiar with, uh, with Sam from the, from the Obscure Truth Network? No, I'm not. You, no, um, if you've got if you've got an internet connection, head over to obscuredtruth.com. You're gonna love what. Yeah, you're gonna love what this guy has been doing down in Texas. He's been going into the uh, the so-called courts down there and asking a bunch of questions that they don't like, and has been having real interesting experiences uh, interacting with those bureaucrats down there. And he's gonna be moving up to, here to Keene soon. So I'd love to actually have you watch a couple of his videos, specifically the Court of Public Relations uh, over at obscuredtruth.com. And, you know, the, the comment the on you what could, you think about you could, that. You could ask for, if, if somebody wants to jot it down, is for the instrument that you signed that compelled you to this specific performance. I mean, there has to be... I tried that, evidence. man. I tried asking for evidence of, uh, you know, proof of obligation uh, from this judge, and he said that's a political statement. You can't, you know, I'm not going to allow well, you to ask that you, question. You're looking for the instrument. You've got to be kind of clear with them. And at the time they can't produce it, you just ask them to dismiss because they're failing to prosecute you if they don't have that mm. instrument. I, you know, it, my it, problem it is, is I just don't have the experience. Here. I just don't have the uh, you know the boots on the ground experience that uh, that you do. And, and I, there's I, only one way to get it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't relish that particular uh, gathering oh, that listen, experience. If you're not having fun at this, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you, you follow me? If you can't make this where you have a goal to obtain when you go in there, and yet and you and you do it, you know, to the best of your ability, sooner or later, if you're correct, you're going to reach that goal. And, you know, 90% of these things that they come after me on barely make it past a first or second hearing without a dismissal. Hmm. I can't even, I mean, I'd love to get something going like Rosa Parks did, and, and, and we'd ride the front of the bus. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, uh, we're doing that here in Keene. We're, uh, we're working on that here uh, as we speak. We're getting as many activists here as we possibly can. Uh, and, I mean, if you can escape Massachusetts, and whether you come to Keene or not, but getting up to New Hampshire, I think, uh, you'd be a, I think you'd be a real resource for a lot of these activists that are coming under fire that don't have uh, the experience you do. And there's some folks up north, uh, a couple of our listeners, uh, Bill, <clears throat> Bill Walker, has been uh, he's uh, under attack for carrying a, a gun with him in the car in, uh, in New Hampshire. They called it a concealed weapon, but it was right out in the open, but apparently because it was in the car, it was concealed. I'm sure people like him could really uh, would really appreciate having resources like you around because a lot of people are going the lawyer route, and I, I just don't trust it. I mean, I trust. I think that some of the guys that are the lawyers, the liberty-oriented lawyers, I think they're good guys. I think they're doing what they think is right, uh, but I am sort of with you in that I feel like a lawyer is sort of a an agent of the state to some extent, and he has to be very concerned about offending the judges in the in the system oh, because he might have his, you know, his, his first license pulled to his pocketbook. His second obligation is to the court, and then the bar association, and then the town he lives in, and the public for the... You're somewhere down the list, 
as far as his priority in mm-hmm. that courtroom. Well, I don't think that would be true with the uh, the the, uh, the liberty lawyers that we have here. But no, they don't the want to get disbarred. They right. can't. They, they, they can't they, cross, they can't certain, cross lines. certain lines. Yep. They they can't do what you can do. I mean, every one of them always. Every judge always tries to tell me I'm going to hold you to the same standard as an attorney. Well, I object and tell them that I haven't gone to law school and I can't hold <laughs> yeah. to the same standard as an attorney. I, I love what you have to say, Spud. I think you're a, you're a very informed guy and you've got a lot of experience. I, I look forward to experiencing more of your wisdom as you call yeah. into Free Talk Live over the time. The only way I really know about doing this is to is to get, the get in and get together at a yeah. certain place and time and, and have a little meeting. Well, and, yeah, you should do that. Get over to forum.freekeen.com, get registered and post and say hello and we'll say hi back. Thanks for the call tonight. More coming up. It's Free Talk. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, By the way, those features include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. wiki.freetalklive.com. You know email is not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com. It's an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. Sign up for a free account today. Free account. Privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure. You've got a business, um, especially you need to have secure email. Privacyharbor.com. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. Steve is on the line in Colorado. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Steve. Uh, Ian, you did a uh, an audio book, um, The Market for Liberty by the Tannehills. Yes, sir. You can download it at book.freetalklive.com. Uh, I'd like to, first of all, say it's wonderful. And then secondly, uh, before I get on to what I really called about, if you could just give uh, a little bit of advice to somebody who wants to do audio books. I'm a uh, member of a website called LibriVox.org, uh, where they have audiobooks of uh, b- books that are in the public domain, mostly written be- uh, before 1923. And I was going to do some liber- liberty-oriented books, including the biography of Patrick Henry. So well, you just had a little advice for a guy like that. Sure. It's not a difficult process. It's just a somewhat lengthy process. Uh, basically what I did, and I certainly have never done anything like this before, so it may not be the best way to do things, but I basically uh, took the book I was going to read, and I went chapter by chapter, and I would read through the uh, the, the chapter, and as I was making mistakes as I was reading, because when you're reading out loud, you're just going to mess up a lot, uh, you make a mistake, you just sort of jump back a few words to wherever your last pause was, essentially, and then you read over again that part that you made a mistake on, and you continue on until you finish the chapter, then uh, you go back through, you play through your recording, and the purpose of the first playback is to eliminate all of the obvious mistakes, 
uh, to go in and, and to, you know, just cut that stuff out of the recording. Then you play it back a second time to make sure you didn't miss anything little. And make sure you're also reading along with the book as you play it back so you make sure you uh, didn't transpose a word or use a, a word incorrectly or, you know, accidentally maybe sort of subtly replace a word that you didn't realize you were necessarily saying, but you actually, you, you know, your brain spoke it even though you didn't realize it, that sort of thing. So verifying at the same time that you did actually read the correct words that were in the book. Uh, so I would say recording process, pl- uh, playback, read it at the same time, edit as you're doing that, and then a second playback, fix any other minor errors that you might have, and then you're done. Uh, move on to the next chapter. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Um, uh, the reason why I called is because I haven't called in a while, and I used to call you up and tell you about the neocon at work. Okay. Neo conservative yeah. at work, and uh, he said something. He said the most outrageous thing uh, recently. He said that, well, being a Ron Paul supporter, I should be happy that Obama uh, got elected because uh, I- I'm far closer to being a liberal than than he is. This neocon that is, uh, and boy, I just. I usually don't hit the roof with this guy, but I hit the roof. Hmm. <laughs> I, I just had to. I just. I, I had to tear him up on that one. And uh, what did you say to him? Well, I, I, you know, I, the only thing that we I could not really argue against was the um, the drug war. I, I guess if you wanted to say it in that way, my position on the drug war is liberal. I think that it should be should go away. But Obama they don't believe that. But Obama's liberal. a, a, a cons- Obama believes that, right? He's a right winger when it comes to right. He's he's a he's a social drugs. conservative. Um, so you know, it's I, I don't. There I don't are see- no liberals out there in Washington D.C. that are elected to office that are pushing for drug reform that I know of. Besides maybe Barney right. Frank and Dennis Kucinich to a lesser extent. Yeah. To a lesser extent, yes, Dennis Kucinich. Uh, but he was talking about the war mostly, and I said, listen, Bush himself said that he uh, uh, wanted to be uh, the same as Woodrow Wilson on steroids. He wanted to be Woodrow Wilson except for, you know, pumped up on steroids. And, and <laughs> uh, I mean, these, these wars, these international wars of aggression, as far as I can tell, were started by the most liberal presidents that we've had. Right. That, um, I, I think he's just stuck in the liberal conservative paradigm. Absolutely. Right. He is, and he thinks that it's the same as it was. If you go back and look at the states, um, you know, from you know, 1980, 1976, 1972, you look at the, uh, the how the Electoral College broke out, it's essentially backwards now. Uh, you know, the, the, the Dixiecrats have moved over to the Republican Party, and so you have the conserv- you know, these sort of conservative... Uh, you know, working types are now in the Republican Party, and the fact is, if you look at every major war the United States was in in the 20th century, it, they were all started by Democrats. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, it's I, just I, nuts. I think that's what it basically boils down to: is he's stuck in that liberal conservative paradigm. Yeah, that's totally what it is, and you know, the only way to help break somebody out of that is to try to explain to them that, as you say, Mark, the uh, the parties aren't what they used to be, and besides that, your positions are about liberty. They're not about one side or the other, because if you're coming at it, if you're talking to a liberal, they'll believe that you're an ultra-conservative, but if you're talking to an ultra-conservative, they'll believe that you're an ultra-liberal, uh, and it's just right. because their viewpoint is just so restricted. They're so inside the box, they can't uh, see the forest through the trees. Would that be an appropriate 
appropriate uh, cliche. Right. And, you know, I call this uh, this Democrat uh, show here in, in Keene and uh, kind of harass them, uh, you know, in a fun sort of way. And the guy said that uh, that libertarians are nothing but uh, Republicans that want to smoke pot. And I'm like, yeah. absolutely not. What a libertarian is, is a progressive that decided to stop using violence against his neighbor to Booyah. get what he wanted. You nailed that one. Thanks for the call tonight, Scott. Or Steve, rather. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Travis listening in Wisconsin. Travis, you're on Free Talk Live. Travis, Wisconsin, going once. Travis in Wisconsin. Hey. hey there. How's it going? You're here. What's on your mind? Uh, not too much. I was going to call and uh, uh, talk about the uh, um, some of the Obama cabinet appointments. I was thinking about something else while I was on hold. Um, uh, I go to school uh, out here in Green Bay, and uh, I got a classmate. I have to that, say this um, is already more interesting than Obama's cabinet appointments, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I got a classmate out here. And let me just throw this out here, uh, try not to, you know, like, bite my head off or anything. But I, I've been listening for, you know, several months now. Uh, I'm a communist. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I really love your show, actually. Cool. Um, but uh, this uh, this classmate I have, um, she voted for McCain. Uh, I did not. I voted for Brian Moore. Um, Who the hell is that? That was the socialist. Uh, party candidate for president. Never even heard of him, and I'm plugged into I, this stuff. I have heard of him. He didn't get very many votes, though. He's way behind uh, uh, even I like the Constitution he got Party. Five thousand in, in my state, so something like that. Uh, don't worry, the socialist won. <laughs> yeah, but um, well, even even Brian Moore went on. Uh, he was on TV, and um, he was talking about how how Obama's not really a real socialist. Okay. But uh, oh, on the Colbert um, Report was that? I think I, I think I saw I, the I interview. Think, well, yeah, I think he was on the Colbert Report, and he was on a, a couple like real news. And from his perspective, I'm sure I can, see I can get he... the guy from the Ku Klux Klan to come on and say that uh, McCain's not a real national socialist, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure uh, Colbert just couldn't get him. Anyway, so I, I have this classmate that um, she voted for McCain, and um, uh, a firm capitalist, and uh, she was trying to convince me that we don't have a class system in this country, and that that's just sort of um. Some kind of illusionary. What is it? What is a class system? What's that mean? Uh, well, the way I define a class system is um, it's a byproduct, a necessary byproduct of capitalism. I don't so understand. When, whenever, there's, whenever there's wealth, there's private property. It's going to be distributed in some way, and the result of that is a class system. But doesn't a class system imply a lack of social mobility, where the working class no, is I, no, cannot move up so. to be part of the ruling class or the ownership class? Uh, I don't know. I don't think a class system necessarily implies lack of social mobility. Who defines what? Obviously, obviously we have social mobility in this country, but I'm just saying um, she was trying to say that there was no class system, period. Who defines what the classes are is what I'd like to know. Well, people do segregate. I mean, largely, you don't see a whole lot of billionaires going to NASCAR event. Uh, of the class system that we have. I want to bring you back. Um, Hang on, Travis. We're going to uh, bring you back. It's very rare that we get an avowed communist actually calling to talk to us here. So uh, this is interesting. We'll continue with Travis and take your calls as well. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. I certainly don't agree that this is a capitalist country, though. Uh, This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call if you dial now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free. 
So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And do you love liberty? Well, check out Bureaucrash Social, the place for you to connect with freedom fighters from around the world. At Bureaucrash Social, you can share your ideas, obtain resources, and document your activism, as well as find awesome videos and upload uh, pictures uploaded by other crashers. Go to Bureaucrash.com to learn more. That's Bureaucrash.com. So imagine what a social networking site would be like if it was run by libertarians and anarcho-capitalists and voluntarists, and you've got Bureaucrash Social. It's pretty cool. I've been there myself and got an account. Uh, so 800-259-9231 is too. the number. We continue here and bring back Travis, uh, somebody who claims to be a real-life communist. And I am a real-life communist. Yep. Dude. You're talking about uh, you had a conversation with some uh, neocon, uh, some McCain supporter who claimed that this was a capitalist country, which it is in no way uh, tr- a capitalist country. It's a mixed, you know, it's a mixed economy. It's a regulated uh, country. You don't have the freedom to uh, socialism light. Is yeah, what we've got essentially. Now, but, but Nick, do you, you voted for the social- Travis? Travis, I'm sorry. Uh, you voted for the socialist candidate, but you're a communist. I, I, I feel that these two systems are completely at odds. The, the socialism and communism, the idea that uh, the state is everything and the state is nothing. Uh, communism is there is no government, right? Well, um, the way I look at it is that uh, socialism is sort of um, a progression towards communism. That's how Marx um, looked at it, but I feel that I, like I can, I can argue that all day. You know, I mean, it, it, it's the socialism is a, a group of, of people making decisions for everyone. Those people are never going to give up. Right. Power. When has the socialist state ever abolished itself? Well, um, the way it works is uh, there's going to be a violent upheaval. And uh, the socialism is the transitional phase when we're under proletariat rule. The proletariat is kind of getting the economy and everything resituated. Then from that, we transition into true communism. How's it going for North Korea? North Korea is a, a piss poor example, and well, Russia is a piss poor example. Cuba, too, if you're going to use it. Well, I, but, but uh, now you you must say now Mark, I think that Mark there's himself said that Russia is the worst place for a communism to ever work. Understood. Um, you, you must understand that there's some parallels between sort of libertarianism and communism in the sense of growth oh, and I, their, their political I totally agree. their political uh, you know movements and that kind of thing. And you kind of look at it, but communism and socialism they have some real advantages in the fact that people have used them in order to gain power. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, they use it as a guise for, for a dictatorship. Right, you know, so that's my exactly question to you doing. is this, is when you create, uh, when, when there is this coercive state um, that, that's out there, uh, wouldn't the people that want the power of the state, i.e. Castro, Che Guevara, um, you know, you, George you, Bush, you pick, uh, the, the, you know, yeah. aren't they going to be the one that goes after the apparatus? The person who wants the apparatus bad the, the most is the one who's going to go after it the most, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Well, um, really what, uh, what the bureaucrats are trying to do now um, is sort of, because um, we're moving towards um, communism and sort of, a, are you familiar with like Hegel at all? Um, I, I read a bunch of communist stuff when I was in high school, so I'm not going to be able to play the, the name game with you, but I do understand well, the Hegel, theories. Hegel was pre-communism, but he's sort of saying that, um, you know, there's this constant cause and effect uh, progression in history, and we're moving towards something, you know, we all have our, our sort of teleological goal as, as humanity as a whole. And uh, uh, Marx said, yeah, the thing we're moving towards is communism. 
You didn't answer the question. Uh, the question was, if there is power available, won't the people in search of power be the ones most likely, the, uh, the, the ones that want to wield that power over others, be the ones well, most see, likely to attain the, the it? People that, the people that have power now, uh, the bourgeoisie, they're doing their best to sort of delay the, the proletariat capturing the power. They're doing this, um, it, it's called petty bourgeoisie, where they're sort of, um, they're sort of throwing the proletariat a bone uh, in an attempt to delay communism as much as possible. This is we where I have to question. The, the bourgeoisie always gets attacked, but that was essentially the middle upper class, the merchant class, when Marx was writing about it. For some reason, Marx attacked the you know the business owners, the merchants. He didn't actually attack well, that, elites or bankers. He just attacked people... Your neighbors, essentially, and that's one of the problems I have with communism, is you blame people who have been successful in the free marketplace, but he, he didn't write so much about the the kings or, you know, anybody that actually well, wielded Marx's, power Marx's to stay in power. The problem with the middle class is the same problem I have with the middle class today, in that um, the middle class is delaying communism, and, and the middle class is, is stopping it from happening, because um, the fact that they're there, the the true working class... They're not aspiring. They're not aspiring to to overthrow communism. They're trying to become middle class. No, no. The, now uh, it, it was yeah, right. Absolutely. Everybody, like uh, everybody on the planet, the, the the requirement for communism is essentially no property, and everyone on the planet wants stuff. It's human nature. And I mean, and, and to me, now I, I would say libertarianism has a problem in the sense that humans have the desire to rule over other humans. Mm -hmm. However, I can protect myself. Uh, not against the government, but at the very least against someone who would like to become the government to some shape or another. But I, I say that communism has a much bigger hurdle to overcome in the sense of doing away with property. Uh, you know, oh, I agree. I mean, I mean if I'm in a bad uh, mood, I, I can take your, um, you know, I can come into your house and take your valuable photographs, kick your computer onto the floor. You know, I mean, like there's it's sort of the, the, the desire to work. I, I think communism is full of holes. Don't I mean? Haven't you seen any of these? Uh, well, the the major hole, um, really, the only one that I'm looking to overcome right now and, and sort of figure out is a, and that's something that Marx didn't really even address, um, was the problem of whether or not I own my body. You know, so you're if, trying to if, figure if this out. Yeah. Well, how can you have um, ownership of your body if there's no property rights? Do you yeah, belong to right. everyone else? And Absolutely. Everyone else belongs That's to you. That's the problem. I don't think you know. I don't think the issue of, of private property, you know, my computer, my stuff. That's not as big of a deal as you know. Do do I own my body? I'd agree. I mean, can 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 the next guy demand to sodomize you? Can well, he right. beat you if exactly. he wishes? Exactly well, all property is an extension. Physical property is an extension of self ownership, as I understand it. I mean, if you own you, then you own what you do. You own the efforts that you put out there and the results uh, from those efforts. That you know turns into your house and your car and your toothbrush and and stuff like that. And you and, have the ability. I, to and control I feel those. like you know when you've got a socialist state, which is the supposedly the stepping stone to communism which I think is just this, you know, that absolutely makes no sense to me, whatever, is the idea of giving the government, you know, giving some people the government, and then they'll give it all back right. to us. Give them total control. Right. That makes perfectly good sense, I mean, and, and has worked everywhere. But the, the idea that people will never want property, it, I, you know, well, it's just... Um, Hegel and Marx looked at this, and they saw, um, they saw this cause and effect, and, and they saw it repeating itself uh, sort of in the same way... You know, we had um, uh, feudalism, 
in in the Middle Ages, and they looked at that, and you know, uh, feudalism sort of repeated itself and manifested itself uh, in communism. Still and going on today. Someone... Feudalism has uh, manifested it's itself well. in, in in property taxes. I mean, feudalism is alive and well in the United States. If we're talking about Marxist theory, though, you had said something before we, we went off on another tangent about the how the proletariat was the true working class. Uh huh. How is the middle class not the true middle class? They just happen to have done well enough to own property, which, from my standpoint, is usually because they're simply smarter or harder workers than the proletariat, which is just the working class that doesn't actually have land or real property. Well, but they well, do have the beer and thing, cigarettes. The only thing that the, the, the lower class, um, the proletariat, they, they own their labor. They're unskilled, and, and Marx looks at them as, as sort of uh, the true heroes, because they're the ones that are going to... So I don't agree. Maybe, maybe he looks at them as the only ones dumb enough. But you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't agree with that. A lot of lower... I've, lo I've known a lot of people in the lower class, and I don't believe in classes, I just believe in individuals, but I know a lot of people in the lower economic strata, and a lot of them are very skilled. They're very good at what they do. I mean, they work at construction jobs, for instance, and make, you know, 20, 30 bucks an hour, whatever they make at construction, but then they go, as you say, Mark, and they drugs, blow it all on drugs beer, and alcohol. Cigarettes. And that's, I mean, that's what your proletarian it is in the United States now, unless you're looking at the Mexicans who just want to move up, um, you know, who, who want to move up in the social strata. You, you know what, Travis? I want to invite you to continue calling the show because I find these conversations absolutely, absolutely fascinating. This is, this is great. And well educated. I, this is from me in high school. I love this. Well, stuff. that's what I want to. Know. We don't have more, more yeah. time for the call, but Travis, just a quick question for you. I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, are you in college? I am. Okay, and you, you work, right? You, do you have a job? I do. Okay. Just curious. I was just wondering if you're still in college, and you sort of, you know, I was going to go and guess that you were, and I figured that you might be. Does the proletariat go to college? Because I thought they were the poor. <laughs> we're out of time. Hey, Travis, call well, us back I, some other I, time, dude. You know, I live uh, outside of a communist system, unfortunately, ah, so I, I have to work through the Hey, you've got to be the change you want to see in the world, my friend. You need to be living on a commune before you can talk about communism. We'll we talk to you later. In New Hampshire. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. I'm sorry we couldn't get to Andy. Andy, you can call tomorrow night, and we'll talk to you then. Uh, online in the meantime, between now and then, at freetalklive.com. And don't forget to join Nick over on his website, freemindstv.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.